0: Hi everyone, Stuart Crane here from Real Life Church and this morning we're going to be starting our new sermon series Waymaker, which is our Easter series which we're going to be doing as the whole church. We've got the kids and the youth and the grown-ups are all going to be involved in this. If you haven't checked out our other videos, please do. We've got um, Gemma who's going to be reading um, the Bible verse for the kids and youth. We've got Sarah doing again and Matt is going to be teaching us the signs for Jesus is my way maker uh, that we can all learn together as a church. Now as the grown-ups we're going to do three sermons this week, next week, the week after. Uh, The first one is going to be me now um, Jesus as the way to the Father where we're going to be focusing on the cross. Next week we're going to look at Melanie at the resurrection and Jesus as the way to life and then in the third week Jeremy will be speaking and we'll be looking at the ascension and Jesus as the way to heaven. So there's a great three weeks coming up. Please be in prayer for us. And what we're doing and that God would speak to you and God would fill us with his spirit as we teach you guys uh, what the Bible has to say about Jesus being our weight maker. Now this morning if you've got a Bible please go to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23 I'm going to read a short section of it for you today in just a context what's happening at this point uh, that we're going to read. Um, Luke in his gospel is in the final few chapters is giving an account of Jesus' crucifixion. It begins kind of back at the beginning of chapter 22, and we've got Jesus is betrayed um, by one of his close friends. He's handed over to the authorities. Uh, They falsely accuse him. He goes on a trial, uh, which is a bit of a sham of a trial. Uh, He is then condemned to death. Um, He is then beaten and flogged and um, taken out to be crucified, and then we find kind of a climax Of this story where he's actually hanging there on the cross and when he's hanging on the cross I'm just gonna read a few verses I'm gonna start at verse 44 it says this it says it was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the Sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two Then Jesus calling out in a loud voice said father into your hands I commit my spirit and having said that, he breathed his last. Now, big idea for this morning is this. Because of Jesus' death, the way to the Father is open. Because of Jesus' death, the way to the Father is open. And what we're going to be looking at is three events that happened in that passage I just read to you. We're going to look at darkness, we're going to look at the curtain, and then we're going to look at death and uh, what we're gonna do is go through those and then we'll look at some application for us and what that means for us here now um, in life. So the first one, the first event, verse, verse verses there 45, 44 and 45, it was the first event is darkness. And it said this in the passage, it was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed. Now this is the first event of the passage and it's the fact that there was darkness in the land. And in one sense, that's not unusual days get dark all the time the sun goes down the sun rises uh, every day for us here we see it that's normal there's times of day when this happens but when Luke's writing that he frames it by using these two phrases he talks about the sixth hour and the ninth hour now what does that mean well the sixth hour was about midday because back then they they kind of clocked their hours from when the sun rose early in the morning so that was when it began and they count forward about six hours and so you get to around midday and so that is when the sun should be shining at its highest and then you project on that ninth hour three more hours is about three in the afternoon so there's a, a period there that's right in the middle of the day when there was darkness in the land which is of course highly unusual when you think about what it should be like and that's why luke wants to draw his attention to it and this we find in all um mark's gospel as well as matthew's gospel they all kind of point out to this this darkness is coming that was in the middle of the day and it says simply in luke's account that the sun's light failed that's how it described it the sun was not shining now what's important about this darkness well in our bibles when we've come across darkness darkness is an image often used to describe Opposition to God, uh, the forces of chaos, the forces of evil, those who would be opposed to God's plan and God's rule. And so, what we see here is we see the forces of chaos and rebellion kind of coming against Jesus who is on the cross. We also see in the Old Testament, this is an image of um, what we call um, the last days when. God's um, kingdom would kind of come, and He would sum things up, and there would all, all that sort of imagery as well. And so we have all this happening uh, in this event when Jesus is hanging on the cross. Um, and so we have the evil that is being presented here at this at this moment is coming against Jesus, and it's coming in kind of in many forms. In one way, it's coming against an innocent man because Jesus it said in his trial he was innocent, he shouldn't have been um, sentenced to die. And so there is that sense there is an evil on that level. He's coming against one who is a prophet, a prophet of God. Jesus was considered prophet of God. He spoke um, the word of God to people and performed many miraculous signs. So then there was a great injustice, a great evil performed against him there. And of course, ultimately... He is God's own son. He is God the son come to earth. And man who he had created has opposed him and chosen to rebel against him and to come to kill him, even in his own city. His own people have come to do that. So we get this image of darkness that is happening in this story. And Luke wants to kind of highlight that to us. And if we kind of read on in the passage, the next event after the darkness is happening as Jesus is being crucified is the curtain and the curtain there, it says, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. So the second event is this curtain temple. Now, uh, temple curtain, what's it referring to? In the temple in Jerusalem, which wouldn't have been far from where Jesus uh, was being crucified, uh, there was a curtain that separated the most holy place of the temple from the holy place. It was a colossal curtain. Some scholars say it was almost 60 feet high, this massive curtain that separated um, the most holy inner place in the temple where the Ark of the Covenant was. And this is a place where the presence of God dwelt. It was first in the tabernacle later in Solomon's temple and then in Herod's temple would have been the one around at this time. And this great curtain separated all the people from the presence of God. Now, once a year, someone could go through the curtain and that person would be the high priest. Um, and he'd have to go through a whole bunch of rituals and cleaning, uh, cleansing. And then once a year, he was allowed to enter beyond the curtain, beyond that veil and to offer sacrifice on behalf of the people. But that was the only time. The rest of the time everyone else in the nation had to stay the other side of the curtain and they weren't allowed to enter into the holy place. And so you have this great big curtain in the temple that the priests would have seen Um, and been always been on one side of it, but it says very clearly that this temple curtain was torn in two. Now, this would have been an absolutely shocking event. Imagine priests in the temple kind of just going about their business, doing what they're doing, tending to the temple furniture, worshipping, praying, and suddenly this great big uh, curtain just rips in two. They would have been absolutely stunned by this because what they would have been able to do is to look into the Holy of Holies, look into the most holy place. They would have physically been able to see the ark, uh, which normally they wouldn't have be a- been able to, have been hidden from their eyes. And what we see, if you read in Luke's account, is it says it describes the temple curtain being torn. But if we look at Mark and we look at Matthew, it says the curtain was torn from top to bottom. And so this this act of this ripping of this great curtain was clearly an act of God. It came from heaven to earth. Something happened, something God was doing, and it shredded this curtain. And suddenly there was a way open. And this was clearly, Luke is saying, is in response to what's happening to Jesus. So something's happening with Jesus. There is darkness. But also, there is this temple curtain that is being ripped. And that brings us to the third and the final event of this passage, and that is death. Death. That is death, and this particular one, it is the death of Jesus. It says, He cried out in a loud voice, saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, He breathed His last. And so, what happens here? Jesus begins by crying out in a loud voice. It says, He calls out, He shouted. And so, when we raise our voice, we want to be heard. We want other people to hear. We want it to be taken on board, what we're saying. And Jesus is doing this now. Bearing in mind the situations he's in, he has been uh, beaten. He's been up all night. He's been through a great emotional trauma, a great physical trauma. He's now been nailed to the cross. And so he summons his strength finally and announces in a loud voice. So he cries out for everyone to hear. And he says this, he says, Father. So he's addressing His father in heaven, God the father, uh, the one that he's taught his followers to pray to, the one he often refers to as we read the gospels, the one he is obedient to, the one he only does what he sees his father doing. So this is the one he is referencing and then he prays to him and he says into your hands I commit my spirit and what he's doing there is he is quoting Psalm 31 verse 5 where we read of King David who wrote that psalm who is suffering Um, he is the righteous one and he's basically entrusting himself into God's care and Jesus is taking that psalm and he's applying it to himself entrusting himself into the care of his father there's no doubt in this that about Jesus relationship with the father that is always has been always will be Um, and so he's nothing that but he is basically entrusting himself into his father to his father in heaven he knows his work on earth is finished and he's saying Father, I commit myself to you. And so we see in these words, we see an act of trust that Jesus commits himself to his Father. We see an act of completion because Jesus has followed perfectly the Father's plan. He has willingly gone to his death. He has died in our place for our sins. And then we also see this as an act of power because what we see there, what Luke wants us to know is that as Jesus dies in this moment, he is not killed Or executed or murdered, as we can often say, He actually willingly gives up his life. He chooses the moment of his death. No one takes that from him. Jesus said, I lay down my life willingly. So even in the moment of his death, when it says he breathed his last and he chose to give give up his spirit and commit himself to his father in heaven, Jesus was still in control. Jesus was still the master, even in death. And so we've looked at the three events of that passage. Now, and let's have a little book at some application that comes out of it. And so I want to look at three things that we can take from that to apply to ourselves um, in this current situation. And the first one that I want us to notice out of that passage is that Jesus is in the darkness. Jesus is in the darkness. When the darkness came on the earth uh, from the sixth to the ninth hour, that long period of darkness there, Jesus was right in the middle of it. Jesus was right in the middle of it. He was in the midst of injustice. He was in the midst of betrayal. He was in the midst of enormous physical and emotional suffering. Jesus was right there in the middle of it. God the Son was suffering um, right in the middle of all the circumstances that goes around him and people can sometimes say things like where is God in suffering or uh, what is God doing about this, but actually this passage tells us very clearly that he's right in the midst of it. He's right in the midst of the suffering um, of the world and what's going on. In fact, he's suffering too with it. And so when we, in our own turn, face suffering um, in all its forms, we're going through it right now, stuck in our homes, with our freedoms curtailed. And sometimes it's difficult to find what we consider necessities with food and having to queue for the shops. Um, jobs are under pressure, there's financial pressure there, the emotional pressure that comes with it being in families in close for day after day after day with no end in sight and people saying this is probably gonna get worse when it gets better, loved ones falling sick, some people losing loved ones, dying, there is an incredible darkness that we are facing in all its various forms. And what we can know from this is Jesus has been through all this already. Jesus has been through incredible darkness and incredible suffering. We don't serve and follow a God who is aloof, who is above, who is better than all these things. We follow a God who has been through it all himself. He has been there and he has done that. And the pressures we find ourselves in today He too has been through um, those things. We find if we read the book of Hebrews that it says that Jesus is our great high priest and he can sympathize with us because he too has been through great suffering and great hurts. And so what that means for us is that we can take an incredible amount of comfort and hope in this. And in this situation where we find ourselves... When We're looking around and saying, where's the end? When's it going to change? When's it going to go back to what we used to? Is it ever going to go back to what what it's used to? What's going to happen with my work and what's going to happen with my family? Am I going to have enough food to eat? We know that Jesus is with us through it. Jesus is with us through it. He is with us All day, every day, he is with us in the tough times, he is with us in the low points, he is with us in the questioning and the understanding and the suffering and the pain and the difficulty that we're in. And Hebrews 13.5 gives us a great promise uh, where it's quoting the Old Testament Deuteronomy and it says that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And that's Jesus' promise to us today, that in the midst of pain and suffering, that he is with us. He is with us there. And it's something that we need to remind ourselves of. It's something that we need to take on board. It's something we need to talk to ourselves about every day. But whatever we're facing, whatever the day holds, whatever our fears, whatever our concerns were, that Jesus is with us in this situation. And we can talk to him and we can go to him and we can find strength in him from that. So... Number two, next thing we can learn from that is that Jesus opens the way to the Father. Jesus opens the way to the Father. That image of the curtain being torn in two and it now being open into the most holy place is something that we can take on board because man was not allowed into the presence of God. The reason we weren't allowed into the presence of God was because of our sin which is just the Bible word talking about the fact that we've rebelled against God, we've broken his laws. It also refers to the inner corruption um, of our nature, where we have a tendency to lie, to cheat, to steal, to do evil to others. That's just kind of what comes out of us. And all that Bible describes as sin. And because of that sin, we cannot pro- approach a God who is holy who is good, who is completely pure, who is above us because we just cannot stand in his presence. And this curtain represented that barrier. This curtain represented the fact that man cannot come before God. That is why we had in the Old Testament all those sacrificial systems where animals were sacrificed um, to kind of cover the penalty for sin that we rightly deserve for our rebellion um, but we know that they never that there was never enough. That's why they had to keep doing it. They had to keep doing it. But when Jesus came, he came as man and he also came as God. He was fully man, fully God. And so he could bridge the divide. He could make a way between man and God. And when he came to earth, John the Baptist, when he spoke, saw him, he said, this is the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sin of the world. So as Jesus comes to the cross, as he's hanging on the cross, as he's dying... Book of Hebrews said he is our ultimate sacrifice. He is the one who's come to deal with the problem of sin in our lives. He's the once for all sacrifice. There only needs to be one when he has come because he is both fully man and fully God and he is dying in our place and paying the penalty for our sins and as he is doing that the temple curtain is ripping The way is now open which means that man can come towards God, that God can come to man, that we can be reconciled, that we can have relationship and this is a wonderful truth that what Jesus came to do was to make that way, to make that way so that we now can know our Father in heaven, that we can have a relationship with our Father in heaven, that we can come to him and then we can find comfort and we can find hope we can talk to him we can pray we can call on him in our hour of need when there is darkness around and say help and provide for us and lead us through this comfort us when we are low but not only do we get to comfort of God God's presence then comes out it was kind of hidden behind this curtain the ripping of the curtain means the presence of God now comes out to man God comes out to meet us in our suffering he comes to meet us in our sin he comes to meet us in our mess and can sort us out. The curtain also ripping signifies that the old way of doing things is gone. The old way is obsolete. All those sacrifices and rituals which we use to help man get to God have now been done away with in Jesus. They were merely shadows pointing to the reality of Jesus' death on the cross. That's why we don't need to do those things anymore. That's why we don't need to go to a place. It's not We don't need to go to a sacrifice. Actually, we've had the one sacrifice now in Jesus. And the Bible says, We actually, the sacrifice we now bring to God is a sacrifice of obedience and a sacrifice of praise. And so as we honor God with our lives, as we worship Him, that's the sacrifice we bring because Jesus has dealt with that system, He has made the way open, and now we get to live in relationship Him with Him because we love Him, we follow His rules, we follow His commands, and we get to worship Him and praise Him because He alone is worthy of our praise. And so, what does this mean for us? Well, if you're not a believer and you're listening to this, you're not a Christian, um, what it means for you is you need to call on Jesus uh, to be your Lord and savior. You need to go to him to make a way uh, to your father in heaven. And if I was not a Christian, and if I was wanting to know what to do this, I would pray, I would pray a prayer, something along this lines. I would start by saying, Father in heaven, I know you created me, I know you love me, I know you want a relationship with me, I know that you are good and great. Um, but I also recognise that I have done many, many things wrong that offend you. I have, I have sinned before you. I have chosen to go my own way, live my own life, do many things that I am uh, not. I'm ashamed of, and that you would not be happy with. And so, what I choose to do is, I choose to turn around and not live that way anymore. I choose to follow you. I choose to put my hope and trust in you. I choose to give my life to you and choose to follow you all the days of my life. I ask you to forgive me for my sin, to make me alive in Christ and to love and worship you forevermore. And so I pray something like that if you're not a believer, to uh, become a Christian, to choose to follow Jesus um, for yourself. What about if you are a believer? Well, if you are a believer, I would make the most of this wonderful privilege. You have been saved. You have been born again. You have been declared and not guilty. You have a relationship with your Father in heaven. Jesus taught us to pray. We've looked at this over the, the, the church over the last few months in our Teach Us to Pray series. We start with Father in heaven, and so we are to call on him daily, cry out to him and say, God, we need you in this situation. We need you to move in our life. We, we want to see your kingdom come and your name hallowed. We, we cry out to him for forgiveness, knowing that he will forgive us because of what Jesus has done, not our merit. We enjoy the privilege of being adopted children into his family with all that that means. That is a wonderful thing that we can come before him and worship him, ask to be filled with his spirit. We are to keep crying out to him as a people, as a church, to keep praying, to keep calling on him. Um, and keep asking for him to move in this situation. There are so many needs, so many things to call on from that. Now, the third final thing uh, that we want to learn out of this passage is that Jesus is in control. Jesus is in control. We saw even in the moment of his death, even in the fact that he had suffered so greatly, he had gone through betrayal, injustice, Um, and physical and emotional suffering as he died on the cross, Jesus was still in control. He chose the moment of his death. It was common practice back then for prisoners to hang on the cross for days and days before they finally died. If you read the other accounts, there was a moment when they said Jesus has died and they were surprised it happened so quickly. Um, Jesus chose the moment of his death. He gave up his life. He laid down his life. No one took it from him. He was still in control. And so as we look out on the world now and we see what's happening, we see the difficulties, we see the pain, we see the suffering. We have the questions about what's going to happen, where are we going to go, what's happening next, when's life going to go back to normal. We need to remind ourselves that he is in control. Jesus is in control. Jesus is still on his throne. Jesus is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is still ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father and will continue to do so forevermore. Everything that's happening now is not a surprise to him. He knew about it. He is ruling over it. And as his people, we need to come back to him and take comfort and hope in that truth. We need to cry out to him in prayer and say, God, you are in control of this I want you to move in this situation. I want you to bring healing to the nations. I want you to stop the spread of this virus. I want you to protect those who are working on the front line and trying to make all this system work. Um, But we we take comfort the fact that whatever happens, God is in control. Even if it gets darker and worse, he is still in charge. If it gets better and it looks like a light at the end of the tunnel, God is still in control of all these things. And as his people, we need to keep praying. We need to keep calling out to him. We need to keep reminding ourselves of this grace truth um, on a daily basis. And what I want to do now is I just kind of want to end with this and I want to just pray for us um, as um, a people, as a church. And I would love us, when I finished and you kind of click off the end of the video, is for you to stop and pray for yourself and pray to God to cry out to Him to remind yourself that in the midst of the darkness He's there. To remind yourself that you have a way to the Father through Jesus to remind yourself that He is in control of all that, even when it feels like there is nothing in control or no one in control or no light at the end of the tunnel. I want you to stop and pray when this video is finished for yourself, just to kind of get that in your heart and your soul and can keep doing that throughout the week. When you guys meet in your life groups. Uh, via zoom and and get together or you chat on your whatsapp messages please make a point to pray for those pray for those in your group pray for us as leaders as we're kind of trying to manage the church in this pray for those outside pray for wisdom for our government and our leaders who are making big decisions pray for those on the front line our nhs workers who are serving us so well those in the stores who are trying to get the food to us all those things pray and remember that god is in control in all these things so i'm going to pray and then we're going to finish together. So if you just want to close your eyes. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that you are in control. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that you made a way to our Father in heaven, that we can have a relationship uh, with him. Lord Jesus, we thank you that even now we can cry out uh, in our need and call out to him and come boldly uh, before his throne. Um, Lord, and we ask now for this nation, we ask you move in power Lord Jesus, we pray for a stop of the spreading of this virus around the world. We pray for protection uh, for those who are working there. We pray for healing for those who are sick. We pray for wisdom for those who are in government to make good and wise choices that serve uh, the people of this land. Uh, Lord Jesus, we pray for your kingdom to come in this situation and your name to be hallowed in this situation. We pray, Lord, that your gospel will go forth and many more people would come to know Jesus for themselves through this. Lord God, we pray that your kingdom would grow and advance at this time, that fear would be replaced by faith and many more people would call on your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, that's the end. Um, of our time together. If you haven't caught up on the other videos, the links will appear on the screen. Please tap onto them and get uh, kind of get up to date with what we're doing. Please uh, stay safe, uh, wash your hands, and stay close to Jesus. And-